Well, hello there, and thanks for tuning in to HC Conversations, a podcast where we have discussions around faith, life, politics, and more, and how to navigate those things as a follower of Jesus. You'll also find audio from weekly messages at Hope Community. Thanks for joining us for today's podcast. Let's jump in. Okay, we're back. We're recording a podcast. It's Monday morning here at Hope Community, and we are excited. That's right. To bring you our Monday musings. Mm-hmm. More than just musings today, because we actually have a set topic instead we of do. just a bunch of topics. We do. So um, there's a lot that we could talk about that we were talking about before this. It's like, ooh, that'd be really fun to tackle that, but we'll save it for another day. But alas, we must stay focused. Mm-hmm. So, so today we're continuing in our, um, I guess, series that we've kind of been in for a little bit, a little while. Where last week, you know, we were talking about deconversion, deconstruction. Uh, before that, we were talking about fundamentalism and the religious right. Um, just the wide world of politics <laughs> yes and so today we're we're continuing on and kind of the reasons why people deconvert you know we listed some reasons last week well now we're going to start diving in so the next several episodes will be uh, more a deep dive into why people deconvert that is correct and um you know we were talking about last week where are we going to start of all the different reasons that people list and we listed off some of them last week like where do we want to start with what do we want to tackle this week? Like, okay, the reason, one of the issues I have with Christianity is, um, and we decided, hey, we should probably start with the Bible itself, because a lot of the things that we'll talk about in the coming weeks, whether that be science, hell, um, pain and suffering, on and on, like, if we don't lay a proper foundation for the Bible, it's really hard to talk about any of the other topics. And so, today we want to address and tackle the Bible itself, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Yes, yes, that's the book for me. And it's those kind of attitudes towards the Bible that actually have caused a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of a, a childlike version of the B-I-B-L-E, or it's, you know, it's God's instruction manual. Every, the answer to all of life's questions are in there. No, no, they're not. <laughs> they're really not. Um, I've heard people do like a Bible. It stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. That's terrible. That is terrible because it's just, well, it's, it's just, it's, co- it's corny. That. It's not that it's bad theology. Like that is just all really, really bad. Um, um, you, what is God's word? God said it. That settles that it. That settles it. Uh, I mean, what, what, what other just like, terrible kind of use of the Bible? I, I think that, kind of, that basically covers it, right? Like, yeah. And a lot of it comes down to, um, number one, like willful ignorance, just, right. I don't want to know. I don't want to dive into scholarship and how we actually got the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is actual ignorance, just, um, not knowing. And then people teaching the word of God, um, which is good, but also at the same time does a lot of damage. Um, this sounds very Catholic, but there is no salvation outside the church, yeah. meaning that the church should always, as a community, read and interpret scripture. Yeah. Um, we keep throughout each other history, in check. yeah, because we we're keep each other <laughs> in able check. To say, hey, hey, brother, sister, the, like that's not. You're kind of straying down a path that that's not what this really means, and let's talk about it. Right, the Protestant Reformation, and then the proliferation of denominations within in the United States, uh, especially, has led to a lot of that because nobody can hold each other accountable. Everybody can read scripture for themselves and it can mean whatever the heck that they want it to mean. Right. And being able to read scripture for yourself is awesome. Having a Bible or multiple Bibles at your house or on your phone, like having it, the access to it is incredible. 
um, but you got to check it against something as far as so you're not just you know making things up as you go. And, and I've actually heard uh, people who would uh, be self-proclaimed Christians who say, well, I don't go to church and I don't need any of that because I just read my Bible. Um, and, and that's that kind of thinking. It's like, well, sure, you read you read the words on the page, but are you actually understanding what the original author was trying to say to the original audience? Uh, because if, if you're not getting that meaning out of it, you're not actually understanding, you know, as we would say, God's word or his intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of problems have risen from that. Again, so there's that idea of we are, are reading it in isolation without, you know, um, the historical positions of the church to back, you know, kind of to inform us or fill in some blanks or understanding context or cultural context and literary context or, uh, you know, and so this kind of just gets, it, it gets, it gets passed down. And again, the way that we're handed it then is we're not understanding it properly. Right. And then we're told it's God's word. All of it. All of it's true. It's all true. It's all, you know, it's, it's infallible. It's an errant, um, it's, you know, it's, it's applicable, like just do what it says. Um, and we're handed it that way and says it's perfect and everything, you know, and, and just go do it. And then we open up to something that's like, you know, if you have a rebellious son or daughter, stone them to death. And you're like, well, what do I do with that? Right. Cause <laughs> like, obviously we pick and choose what we apply. Yeah. Um, so how do we know what to apply? Uh, a great book that I would recommend reading is blue parakeet by Scott McKnight. It's he, a fun title. It is. Uh, and he, he goes into why he calls it the Blue Parakeet. But he unpacks a lot of that uh, in that book. So it's a it's actually a really good listen, <laughs> too, because he's, he's a scholar, but he's kind of funny. He's entertaining. Yeah, he's entertaining. To to some of his stuff. So. Um, and we can maybe put, like, a little book list or something in yeah. the show notes today. And I would recommend I'd recommend that as well. But I would recommend also there's um, – there's a, a YouTube video or a lecture by Dr. Tim Mackey on the making of the Bible and kind of how it came together. If you've got two hours to kill, it's not like super boring and scholarly. It's, it's entertaining, but it's, again, it's just really good insight into, oh, okay, that's what this thing is that we call the Bible. Right. Um, so today, for uh, if you're listening and you have walked away from faith because of the Bible, um, our goal today isn't to, to make you feel bad. Um, our goal today is just to help you have greater understanding of perhaps maybe you walked away unnecessarily because of how the Bible was handed to you. Um, if you're considering walking away, maybe this will help you to, to reconsider um, your decisions. Um, but our, our goal isn't to, again, to, to invalidate what you're feeling. No, we, we resonate with you and understand why you perhaps left in the first place. Yeah. I'd throw another category in there too. Um, maybe you're listening to this and you haven't walked away from faith and you're not considering it, but you'd say like, okay, I'm a Christian or a follower of Jesus. And I just don't ever really engage with the Bible. You know, it's not really a part of my, f- a bit an important part of my faith. Cause either I, I find it confusing. I don't understand it. It's boring or whatever. Um, this is going to help with that too. And to have that kind of an understanding. So, the debate back in the day really used to be more around um, the reliability of um, of Scripture or, or the actual text itself. Like, is it trustworthy in terms of the historical veracity, those kind of things? That, those were the questions that a lot of people were more concerned with. Uh, and critics of 
Christianity, that would be the angle they'd say, like, well, you can't trust it because, you know, it's, you know, it's, 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 you got all these errors in it and contradictions and all of those things. Um, and that's actually not the case. It is an incredibly reliable document, especially if you're talking about the New Testament. So like New Testament manuscripts compared to other things, um, other pieces of literature in the ancient world, like there's nothing like it. The mm-hmm. amount of manuscripts that we have, um, the the dating on them, like how close they are to the original dates and the source work and all of that stuff, it far outweighs anything we have from antiquity. I mean, um, I, I know there's different charts and things that will compare it to like, okay, uh, like Caesar, Caesar's Wars or whatever, or some of the works of Homer um, or uh, Plato or Aristotle like have written a few things, and we only have like a handful of things from them versus there's like thousands of um, copies of these ancient manuscripts of like New Testament documents. And so like, I mean, even secular scholars will say, no, like this is, this is a masterpiece in terms of the insight it gives us into the ancient world um, and, and how reliable it is. But that's not even so much the question anymore. I would, I would, I would venture a guess that most people who are listening to this, who would maybe walk away from faith because of the Bible, it's not because they determined it wasn't reliable anymore, but it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a question of, is this true? It's a question of, is this good? Um, it's not a question of, can I trust that, you know, Paul actually wrote these words in this year, but is Paul is what Paul wrote something that I should actually consider good for my life? Right. Um, and, and that is where what we're going to talk about with the whole understanding of context and what the Bible's trying to do is is vitally important because whenever we misunderstand what the Bible is and what it's trying to do, it's really easy to be like, whoa, no, this is this is not good. Like this is not something that that is ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would I would push back a little bit and say, you know, because you said, yeah, the question is, it's not is it good today? Um, but I think people are also walking away because they see apparent contradictions in the text. Right, for sure. Um, you know, that's still brought up as an argument today. Well, the text contradicts itself because back here, you know, they said this, and over here, you know, they said that, so what is it? Yeah. You know, therefore, if this is true and that's true, we can't trust it at all, um, which really isn't a great argument, um, but it's one that's made nonetheless. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times those contradictions or the seeming contradictions has to do with the fact that we don't understand what the writers were trying to do. That right. There's two different writers or multiple different writers that they're telling a story a different way. We don't understand the context. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But because it's all true and it was handed to us here, read this. Yeah, what do I do with that? Apply right? it. Yeah, it's all um, true. And, and, th- and that leads to things people be like, well, the, I mean, the, so like the Old Testament doesn't seem at all compatible with the New Testament, right? Like, cause that seems yeah, like the God of the Old Testament is completely different from the God of the New Testament. Right, and so again, it seems like they contradict one another. It's like, well, again, if we le- read that just on the surface and we're like, well, on the surface, it's like Jesus' grace and forgiveness and love and mercy, yay. Old Testament God seems like angry, wrathful God. What do we do with that, well, right? Like, I, I think part of the challenge is people read certain books of the Old Testament they don't read the entire New Testament uh, yeah. and it's whole to get the entire picture of what the authors are trying to lay out. Right. Um, I drop into a, a, a random prophet in the Old Testament. Right. And I'm like, whoa, like, destruction. Right. What? It's like, yeah. yeah, there's a context to that within the entire biblical narrative. Yes. Um, 
So yeah, I ch- just challenge you to read the entire Bible. <laughs> it's going to take a while. It's going to take a minute. It can be done in, in a single year, four chapters a day. You can do it. Yeah. Uh, find a plan that breaks it up with Old Testament, New Testament. <laughs> so that way you don't get just stuck in Leviticus and <laughs> never get out. Yeah. Yeah. And so like with the contradictions too, I would just say, let's, I mean, talk specifically like New Testament. Um, where you'll see like discrepancy in the manuscript, you can actually, you can research these things. Um, and they're usually like things like punctuation or a, like a word that is spelled differently. I mean, the same thing you would see today if someone was making copies of something and it's like, oh, whoops, spelled a word wrong there. And the, the cool thing is like the the honor and like the just the, the quality of work that the scribes had for trans, like making copies of this, like they noted that stuff. Like you, you can find like old manuscripts and stuff that'll have like notes from scribes in the margins that says, you know, in this manuscript over here, it says this, and this one, it says this, and like all of that is noted out, um, which, you know, because there's, I guess there's a thinking that this was all some like back room shady stuff that's, that's hidden. That's, it's, there's like very public record of this. If you go right. and actually look for it, um, they were very open about it because we can't comprehend like scribal tradition, like how important it was to the Jewish people and the early Christians that they would get it right, that they would write when they wrote this stuff down. Right. Um, along with that, they had no punctuation. <laughs> and so the punctuation, the paragraph breaks that we find in our modern translations of the Bible, um, are trans- the, the group of translators that translated that book. Um, so it wasn't just one person. It's normally a team of people that work together to yeah, translate. Like someone like looking over your shoulder um, as you're doing it. They, they have to come to a consensus based on the ideas that they're trying to communicate or that the original author was trying to communicate that, okay, there should be a sentence or there should be a, you know, a sentence break here. There should be a paragraph break here because it's a different idea or, you know, continuation of the same idea. Um, Which is so also why we have so many different translations today. Right. Cause some are trying to do word for word translations, like literally every Greek or Hebrew word to the English, well, if you're English, to the English equi- equivalent, others are doing like idea for idea. That's Some are trying to do word for word and idea for idea. Yeah. Which is also why, like, the word for word translations are really hard to read. Because, again, there, any language, even modern language, there's, there's no, like, word for word equivalent from going from one language to another without it being really, really choppy. Right. Um, if you've ever been, like, on social media and there's a post or something that's, like, in Spanish and you hit the translate button and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's because, again, there's not this word for word correlation and you know that leads to some confusion that, that leads to some things again seeming like contradictions it's like the contradiction wasn't as as glaring if this was in the original greek or whatever mm-hmm. but it's just we don't have good words to put around that um, and then you mentioned too that sometimes it's just different authors trying to communicate different things right where uh, you read just like the, f- the four different gospel accounts it's like wait but over here it says this and it's like well they're not contradicting each other they're just saying it in a different way. It's like right, because they all, I mean, the, the authors of the Gospels all wrote to different audiences. Yes. And so they were telling the same story, but just in a different way. Um, just like, you know, the example is given if, you know, we were in, you know, the same, we had 20 people in the same room and we all had to write a story about a clock on the wall. We're all staring at the same clock, the same thing, same event, whatever but we're all going to tell the uh, the story in a completely different manner. Does right. that make the clock any less real? Yeah. No. And we may not only maybe we tell the story in a different manner, if we were to tell the story a bunch of different times to different groups of people, our own story would change. Right. We would add details to, yeah. to one group and leave details out for another group to fit w- the, our communication goal. 
Yeah. Like, what am I trying to accomplish right. here? And it's so crazy that whenever we, when it comes to things like the Bible, we want to, and this is, is part of the issue. We want to dehumanize it and forget that there were actual human people who were responsible for writing these things down. Mm -hmm. So they had a communication goal. They had a, Oh, I'm trying to communicate this. I'm trying to talk to these people. Um, I have my own life experiences or experiences with Jesus that I'm bringing to this. We want to turn them into just like ancient word processors, right? Mm -hmm. Like that are just like that they're as if there is no human influence, but that the people are just God's, you know, Microsoft word. Right. <laughs> and just like trying to compute. It's, what's it's like, <laughs> yeah. Trying to use um, the voice typing on your computer. Yeah. Like, that's, I think that's how people think that the Bible came to be is yeah. that God just spoke and <laughs> the words just appeared yeah. you know, on the page that the, the writers were just in a trance, just, yeah, just yeah. listening and <laughs> writing down exactly what God said. Yeah, and, and that's at not at all the case. And whenever, so that, that's part of the, the problem with the way that we view the Bible is many of us who have grown up in like the evangelical Christian world, and if you've walked away from that world or that faith, the, the picture of the Bible is it's like a book that just fell out of heaven. Mm-hmm. That like, it's all God's thing. And the, the fact that he used people to write it is inconsequential. Like they don't really matter. Like you were saying, it's like they were zapped in some sort of Holy Spirit trance and that they just wrote exactly word for word what God was telling them to write. Um, and th- that just becomes problematic because then it's like, well, wait, wait, they're saying it differently. And if this is all words direct from God, then they should say it all exactly the same versus, oh no, yes, this is God inspired. It's what he's wanting to communicate but he's giving people the freedom to shape it and to craft it. It just gives us a better way of viewing it. Um, in that video, Tim Mackey talks about um, the, 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 the Christian like core belief that Jesus is 100% human and 100% divine. Um, and it's this hard thing for us to imagine, but you can't separate the two in like, he said, like, the Bible's the same way. It is It is a divine work, but it is also at the same time a human work. And we we do ourselves great damage when we just want to be like, nope, this is just God's word, God's word, God's word, God's word. It's like, yes, but it's God's word through people. Right. So. Yeah, along with that, we have to understand what genre we're reading. Just like if you go to the library or you go to, the, you know, Amazon, whatever you're using to get books these days, um, and you're looking for a book, you usually start out with a certain genre that you're looking for. Okay, I'm looking mm-hmm. for a historical book or historical fiction or sci-fi. Um, and you read, you don't read a historical novel in the same way that you would read a sci-fi novel. Correct. If you did, that novel would not make sense at all. Um, same way when we approach this, the Bible, mm-hmm. we have to understand what genre because the authors wrote in a completely different way. I mean, there's history, there's uh, poetry, there's um, you know narrative context, mm-hmm. there are letters, um, and they're all meant to communicate a certain idea a certain way. Right. And so a lot of times we get to historical books like books of the Old Testament, and we begin reading them, and we are really confused because we're reading them as these are commands. No, this is a history of just what happened. The author is commentating on what Israel did, not saying that God approved of those things or disapproved. This is just what happened. happened. And even, even those categories can be problematic sometimes because we, because if you've been in or around church, we say historical books of the old Testament, 
and you may have an idea of what books those are. Um, it's like Kings and Chronicles and, and those kind of books. And you're like, okay, these are the historical books, but we automatically import in our minds what a historical book should be. Right. And I think of like a history textbook from like high school or college. It's like, that's just, it's just telling you, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. And that's again, thinking in culture and context, that's not what the authors were doing. They were less concerned about this is what happened as they were more concerned with this is what, this is what this means. Like this is what happened, but more so here's what it, it means. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's historical, but it's not history in the way that we think of it, that it's just a flat reading. Here's a list of events. It's like security uh, camera footage of the ancient world. They're like, they don't care about that. They're like, no, these things happened, but my goal is telling you the significance in the meaning of what happened. Right. So again, we got to be so careful about just importing our, our modern understanding. Well, I know what history is or even poetry. I know what poetry is. I mean, our idea of poetry versus ancient Hebrew poetry, just completely different things. You talk about the different genres. It's so interesting that we think of the Bible as like law. It's just like, it's just like a rule book, um, like instructions, which would be fall into the, the category of like discourse, me right. telling you something. That's like the least amount of type of text in the Bible is discourse. Discourse is like the New Testament letters or a speech that somebody gives. Most of the Bible, I think it's like more than 50% is just narrative. It's storytelling. And then like 30% is like poetry, which poetry is not trying to communicate facts and information and law. Poetry is trying to um, incite emotion and feeling in you to have an emotional response. It's okay to have an emotional response to things in the Bible. Um, and so it's, it's mostly a story and then it's poetry and then it's a little bit of like discourse instruction, mm-hmm. but we read the whole thing. Like it's just all this big instruction manual. And so then when we're, we're in the midst of just a narrative telling you, Hey, here's what's happened. We're like, well, what do I do with that? Right, we're completely appalled. Um, how do I apply? Like, how do I go and turn the book of Psalms and the things I'm supposed to do? You're not supposed to, you're right. supposed to just read it and feel it. And right. Like, oh, because part of the beauty of the Old Testament and the Bible in general is that it's meditation literature, that it's meant to be consumed gradually, to, to, to continue to turn it over in your mind. To, for a lifetime. To chew on it, yeah, for a lifetime. And still never even come close to fully understanding right. all of it. Yeah. <sighs> Another thing that we have to be careful about whenever we come to the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is we're looking for it to tell us like what is good. Let's pause but, there for just a second. Okay. Because that, that gets to something that I would say when we're talking about the Bible, most of the problems, if people say the problem with faith for me is the Bible, they pretty much mean the problem is the Old Testament. Right. Because the person of Jesus, we know is a historical person. He was known to do some really amazing things. We know the Apostle Paul was a real person, and he wrote these letters. And, and I may not agree with all of it, but it's all pretty good. You know, love your neighbor and do these good things. But I've got a problem with the Bible. It's like, yeah, that Old Testament part, I don't know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. The problem is that's like three-fourths of the Bible. <laughs> right. So we shouldn't just throw away the Old Testament. Right, because it's like, well, I'll it's important the new parts, because yeah. uh, we believe the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. Thank you, Bible Project. <laughs> um, and, and we hold to that. Um, but for us today, um, as followers of Jesus, our, our text, our canon, is really the New Testament. That's where we should focus, but we can't understand the New Testament without understanding the Old Testament as well. But our emphasis is on the New Testament, on carrying out those laws. You know, the two greatest commands, love 
the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's like that gives the shape to what following Jesus is, but then it's like the Old Testament then fills it in. Mm -hmm. Um, It fills in all the blanks and gives you all this beautiful detail, and like the light bulbs go off. Oh, when Jesus said that, he was talking about this other thing. What? Right. Yeah. Um, and, And so, again, not reading it the right way, especially as it, when it relates to the Old Testament, is where so many of these problems come in. It's where I open up Genesis, and I'm like, okay, so I'm supposed to believe that the earth is only you know 6,000 years old, and God created all this in one day, because, well, that's what the first you know chapter or two of Genesis says. Actually, it doesn't. It doesn't say 6,000 years. Uh, well, <laughs> I know. Well, okay, when you, I read a little further, and I read something into the text through all these genealogies, then I get 6,000-ish right. years. Um, and so I read that into the Bible. I read that on this day, God did this, and he did this, and he did this. So that must mean that my modern thought of physical properties and modern science and chemistry and cosmology and all those things must be what this text is talking about, right? Right. We think that, but yet we disregard the entire context that there are other ancient Near Eastern creation mythologies that yes. read similar ways that... Um, that the early audience would have understood this a certain way. And so we have to first, if we want to read the Bible literally, mm-hmm. we have to understand how they would have read it literally when it was written. Right. Or uh, you move on then to like something like Noah's flood. And like, well, it says, it says that the whole earth was covered in water. And my understanding of that was, you know, the whole earth covered in water. So that must be, the Bible says it. Right that settles it but then it's like but yeah there's no arc and then but then people come with there's no ar- archaeological evidence for that so how do you but i don't know the bible says it and that settles it and so then but wait what do you do with the the other like flood narratives of the ancient uh, near east exactly and like you ask a question that covered the whole earth well how big was the whole earth in the biblical author's mind because again this is a human who's writing this being inspired by god we don't we don't address that and, and so what we do is well if my options are I take a worldwide, like the Bible says it, that settles it. If not, like, I I guess I got to walk away from the faith because it's this whole big package deal when that is a false dichotomy of I have to take this view of it. It's like, well, if we back up and we actually look at, again, the culture, the context, the other cultures in the ancient Near East, that's how you refer to the ancient Israel and their neighbors at the time, and what they're doing and the language that's being used there's a lot more nuance that's, and again, this, the, the difference, and this is kind of getting into the weeds of what the authors of scripture, especially the Old Testament, are trying to communicate is not, here's a list of events that happened. Rather, they're trying to communicate, here's the significance, here's the meaning of these events. And so as moderners, as modern Western people, we want to read something like the flood narrative as well, this is a narrative just telling me exactly what happened. The author is more concerned with telling you the significance of what happened. Right. And so the flood narrative actually is trying to get you to see an undoing of creation. When God created, it was about him ordering the cosmos and bringing beauty and flourishing so that humanity could flourish. Um, and the way that the, wa- like the waters represent chaos and he parts the waters and makes them recede and it's all wonderful— well, then the flood narrative comes along, and it's basically God saying, okay, if you don't want my order, if you would rather have chaos, I'll bring the waters back, which were a symbol of chaos. Right. And there's all these different layers, and we're just like, 
so was there actually a flood or not right right and we think it's it's a great story for children and for nurseries and it's 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 not it's at all not. everybody dies everybody there's dies. death and destruction do not do your nursery in that theme and here you go here's the universal language of ancient cultures of everything was utterly destroyed right was it because there's other ancient Near Eastern cultures that have flood narratives. And if everybody was destroyed of the Noah and his family, who wrote about it? Right. Like we're, and so, again, like that's not to like try to undermine your faith, but just to understand this, these authors are not, they're not focused on trying to, to, answer, like to fill in your blanks of here's exactly every event that happened. But right. rather, something happened. Here's what it means. Right. Um, and then we get into, you know, the conquest oh, of, of Israel. Um, and a great book that I would recommend is by John Walton, uh, The Lost World of the Israelite Conquest. I would recommend any of Dr. John Walton's, like, yes. Lost World series because we start talking about excellent. creation, the flood, the conquest. It's, it's incredible. He, d- he didn't set out to actually make a series. He actually, that would happen on accident. He and kept I writing hope books. that he continues to write <laughs> series of books on the Lost World because they're so good. He did not write Jurassic Park, though. That's a different lost world. <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> um, but in the book, he, he unpacks the, uh, the conquest and in light of the historical cultural context that you know, completely, utterly destroyed doesn't mean what we think it means in our modern context, that um, he, the, the things that the terms for warfare were completely different back mm-hmm. then when, than what our terms of warfare are that our definition of good and their definition of good back then was completely different yes. the bible isn't interested in telling us what is good and what is bad the whole point is to tell us that god is good yeah again understanding it in the big story god is good and he wants to share that goodness with humanity and he's doing something and it's like okay so that's the point um and, and yeah and something like the conquest plays into that it's not it's not condoning like and saying go kill all these people um right because another we turn the page and we learn that israel did not kill all those people because (laughs) now those inhabitants came back and are like completely and utterly destroyed next page like wait i thought they were completely and utterly destroyed Uh, i mean i guess to kind of sum up what he says is basically that completely utterly destroyed doesn't mean what we think that it's more to render useless right so do whatever you can to make them useless to make their fields so they don't produce food um, basically destroy their economy, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and again, you can have a question about, well, why would that happen? And is that a good thing? And that's all within the context of the, the bigger story that's being told. Um, but this is just, a, it's just another example of highlighting this flat surface level reading of the Bible is, is, is problematic. Um, it's problematic because, again, maybe you're listening to this and some of these things, it's creation, it's the flood, it's the conquest, um, and, and, you know, it's seeming like, well, is God condoning the killing of all these people? And those are the problems that, that maybe you've had with Scripture. Um, or if you're just a follower of Jesus and you're trying to read this and understand this and it's not seeming to make sense, like, to, to, to frame this in a proper light of understanding the big narrative, looking at what kind of literature I'm reading here and how does this fit into the bigger story and, and ultimately what it's, it's what God is doing in history to, to, to point to the person of Jesus. Like, the, the minute that we step away from any of that and just try to like go with the Bible says it and that settles it approach, like so, so many problems. Um, right. Again, because it me- if you're still a person of faith, it m- gives you a warped view of faith and allows you to do things with your faith and two other people in the name of your faith that like 
God would be disgusted by. But then if you've w- walked away from faith, it's, it's so often because of this view of the Bible that we were given. Right. That it is, do you just take it at face value? It is what it is. And so the minute that like something doesn't seem compatible with what we think the nature of God or Jesus is, like this, how could this God do this? Or the minute someone comes along and says, yeah, but science says this, or archaeology has disproved that, and you're like, well, I don't know what to do now. Right. I mean, whenever we're, we come up with you know, those obstacles, the better question to ask isn't, is this true? Is, is my understanding of the Bible, is that accurate? Yeah. Is that what the author is trying to tell me? Because archaeology says this, or science says this. So maybe my interpretation is not correct. Right. Um, and I know you might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed right now mm-hmm. with, oh, I've got it. So I've got to you know, find out what the genre is and I've got to do all this work. Um, and there is a lot of work to do to understand the, the Bible. But one of the easiest places to start is to just get a good study Bible that has footnotes, that has intros to the chapters. Yeah. Um, start there. Maybe you want to go a little bit deeper, deeper get a commentary. Uh, get a commentary from the library um, because not too many people own commentary sets anymore. I have expensive. I have a commentary set for the New Testament, but the Old Testament was too expensive. Yeah, they're <laughs> crazy <buy>. expensive, <laughs> and they take up an entire bookshelf. Right, I mean. um, but they're <laughs> they're worth it. Yeah. Um, so check that out. Also check out the Bible Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, spend some time on their website. Mm-hmm. Uh, go through their How to Read the Bible series. Very it's good. an excellent video series that kind of distill some of these ideas that we've been talking yes. about. Spend some time listening to their podcast where they expand some of the ideas that they put into the videos. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would echo all of those things that Paul just said. <laughs> That's Christianese for saying. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't think I have anything to add to that. I w- well, I guess I would also just add is, again, keeping the – whenever you approach Scripture – um, if you're feeling overwhelmed right now, yes, get those tools, but understand that this is a lifelong process. And so you're not going to get everything on the first, the first time through it, right? You're or not the, supposed you're to. You're not supposed to. Um, because the, the minute that we get to the point that says, I completely understand this text, um, so now I don't, I don't need to dig any deeper. So right. now every time that I read it, I just go, oh, I already know what that means. Just move on. Right. And it doesn't work on me anymore. It doesn't change me anymore. We're meant to just continually read it and go, oh my gosh, I'm seeing something new that I've not seen before. Right. And the beauty of scripture, especially today, whenever everybody's talking about, oh, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. I don't have time for that. And everybody's bemoaning the use of technology mm-hmm. is that scripture forces us to slow down, yeah. um, to, to slow down as you know, we read it, as we mull over the text. Um, yeah, it yeah. forces us to work for something. It's something it that does. doesn't come easy like we want s- everything to just come easy but it just feels cheap when things come easy right mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta work for it but the reward is it's awesome right so we're encouraging you to not take the cheap view of the bible says that that settles it yeah but to actually start to, to dig in to do a little bit of work um if you walked away from the faith because of the bible i'd encourage you to maybe reconsider that maybe what you were taught about the bible maybe um you know what you believe about the bible maybe that's not correct. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I think like, as an intellectually honest person, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you've walked away because of the Bible, before we can accept it and say, yes, I believe that, or write it off and say, no, I don't, we actually have to do the work and be honest with ourselves and say, like, before I'm willing to accept or reject this, I need to know what I'm actually accepting or rejecting. Not right. what somebody else has told me, not what my parents told me growing up, not what my church told me or whatever, but like to dig in and see what does this thing really say. 
um, and to understand that the broad picture is a narrative that leads to Jesus and is meant to impart wisdom for us today. Not word-for-word instruction, but helps us answer, okay, in light of this, how am I to live now? Right. So, I think that's all we've got for today. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with something else. Yep. We don't even know what yet, but... We've got our list. We, we have haven't our picked list. which one's it'll be, next. It'll be more, you know, deconversion, deconstruction, like issues with faith. We don't know which one's coming next. So you'll have to tune in to find out. Surprise. Surprise.